Elaine just gave me a chance to get out, and I didn't take it. This is an idiot. Is that right? I just threw away a lifetime of guilt-free sex and floor seats for every sporting event in Madison Square Garden. So please, a little respect. For I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. But suddenly, a new contender has emerged. Are you just nodding your head at me? <laughs> I'm just nodding my head, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know who didn't have to worry about issues like this? Who didn't have to worry about issues like this? People who had apartments on the Upper West Side in the 90s. Ah, it's true. Especially if you have an apartment. We gotta have an apartment, but sometimes you have an apartment with a roommate, and you have to find another apartment. But finding another apartment is a pain in the ass. Roommates, as you know, roommates suck. It's nice living with people you know, but even still, even when you live with people you know, gone. But sometimes you might wonder, what if the people you know you also live in the same building as? Oh my god, this is the worst intro ever. But we're we're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Uh, yeah, so in case you haven't figured out, this is the show. That's really how we're going to cold open this show, just like that? Probably not. All right. I'll cut it together. I'll make it work. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, this is the show, uh, the Seinfeld podcast, a Seinfeld podcast. The, the Seinfeld podcast. And, uh, it's Seinfeld, right? Everything has to begin with the, and not only are we like we the definitive Seinfeld podcast, maybe in all of the world, as we're finding out, we are the podcast. Just like you know, just like as in a title sequence of Seinfeld. Yes, no, all right. Yeah, because we're talking about the apartment today. Episode two hundred five, season two, episode six, seven, nine. Episode five, as it aired. Episode eight. In our hearts. No? Okay. Episode 8 or uh, 15. No. I can't do math. 13? Math is hard. 13. Uh, that we... That we we are on episode 13. This aired as episode nine, uh, 10. 10. After a four-week hiatus, um, it aired April 4th, 1991. But they did the table read... Uh, on January 9th of 91 as well, which is interesting. Uh, let me go back to, because we just did the previous episode, the phone message, and that table read was on December 14th. So it looks like they had some time off as well between table reads. Because chronologically, no matter how we watch them, the phone message in the apartment are back-to-back. -back. They were written and aired the same way. But there was not only almost a month gap between table reads, there was a month gap between the way the, <laughs> to when these episodes aired. Um, basically, executive producers were like, fuck it, we're just going to put this show behind Cheers, because that's what we did in the first season. And that's yeah, when it I picked mean, up it, steam. It it, this episode had a 16.9 rating and a 28 share. And the 7.9 on IMDb. And that equated to, I've got it here. Almost an 8.0 is what... That was almost 16 million people watched this episode, which made it the ninth most watched episode for this week. Oh, that's dope. 
uh, Cheers that aired right before it uh, did a 22 rating with 20 million people. Don't know its IMDb rating. Uh, I didn't think to look that up. Uh, but, you know, they only so, – so Cheers only lost – like, the, you only lost 4 million people. Like, that's – that's, I mean, that's 75%. You kept 75% of the Cheers audience. Yeah. So over the last, like, handful of weeks, and the numbers dwindle. It is kind of interesting because... And they almost got canceled over this bullshit, too. They did, but the next... I think that's kind of some bridge over from the last episode. Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode, yeah. The phone message? The the gap between the and the... The network being yeah. all... Well, see, the notes didn't really give me much, and there's really not a whole lot that I saw out there. I just think the the, the network just... it Because it was all about numbers back then, and they just weren't getting the numbers. And I think when they looked back at the first season and saw that... Well, we aired it after Cheers in the first season when we picked up the shortest order in television history and had to pull the budget from Bob Hope's variety hour just to make the show but when we put it on after cheers it was pretty good so they looked back at that and said fuck it just do it again and they held over a great number of the cheers audience thanks ted danson hey i stand for ted danson ted danson's great dude's been on some incredible fucking television shows and he's been in some great movies like three men and a baby come on dude no it's fair it's fair so yeah, over the next handful of episodes, uh, we'll see the we'll see the numbers fluctuate. But it was enough for uh, holding over enough of the Cheers audience that allowed them to get picked up for season three. So this is a big episode for them in general. This is a good episode. I had low expect. I was trying to play back this episode in my head before watching it. This is not an episode I watch a lot in my rewatches. No, it's not, and mine either. And so knowing that, I had very low expectations going into it. Um, I didn't think I was going to... I was like, man, I'm just going to work through this episode. We'll find this note and that note. We'll be all right. I found myself really enjoying this episode. Yeah, I... uh, It was... uh, an interesting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a word, and I will find it. How this episode was created. So, again, we're... Origin? Origin, there you go. This episode has a good origin story. So, Peter Melman... A long wrote, time ago. P- Peter Melman wrote this episode, and he is not somebody who was known in the sitcom world at this time. And again, we're only a handful of episodes in, and it's mostly been Jerry and Larry and a little bit of Larry Charles. We've talked about uh, him and, you know, how he likes to kill people (laughs) in sitcoms. Pew, pew. But Peter Melman was mostly known as, like, a New York Times and, like, Esquire writer. And he uh, didn't really say how he knew Larry and Jerry, but he was given, um, like, an idea, and then uh, he pitched an idea. I'm sorry. He pitched an idea, and then it was tweaked just a little bit. So the idea was actually Elaine would move out of the city. Interesting. And Jerry would have to... Try and convince her to stay back into the city. He'd have to cope with his feelings for her. Yeah. 
when he pitched it to to Jerry and Larry, he they they tweaked it by sort of saying, "Well, what if what if she moved closer?" And he sort of ran with that, and then the whole wedding ring, the little side, the little sub yeah. plot. That yeah, was the socio the sociological experiment. Yeah, that was that was uh, Melman's idea as well. Like he uh, came up with bit. that while writing it, and he said that when he dropped off the script, Larry said, "Yeah, well, we'll call you in the weekend. We don't have time to read this right now." And by the time he got home and checked his answering machine, if you know anything about phone messages, Larry had left him one saying. I lied. We read it. We loved it. And that's how Melman ended up working for the show. And he ended up actually writing some episodes that actually have some origins in this episode, such as The Shower Head. And that does, uh, that does have an origin in this episode. And The Scofflaw, which that is an episode where, catch that. where George changes his hairstyle. Oh. And Kramer brings that up, like he just straight up calls George out and says, "Hey, bro, you're bald." <laughs> they make yeah. a couple bald jokes in this. Uh... You need some plugs or a piece. So, uh, like I said, good good origin stories. Uh, shouts to Peter Melman and uh, uh, thanks for introducing us uh, to Harry and uh, Manny and Harold. Oh my god, dude! Those two were cracking me up. I mean, I'm, I'm, we'll get to their scene eventually, but those two—they have a couple good scenes. I this. like the whole, um, you know, it's always there's there's something funny that you can always play off of with a duo when the audience can't understand one person, but the other person in the duo can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, a Han Chewie or right. a Pin and Teller or what have you. Right. You know? Right. Oh my god, and this was great. I love the play off the two. Um, yeah, cause I'm, yeah, I'm sure we'll get to their hallway scenes. Uh, I do want to start with the, the, the first stand-up, because Jerry looks good in all three of his stand-ups here. He's got a really This was a good jacket. joke. This is a great joke. The, this was the a good painting, joke. The walls closing in. Walls are closing in. And, and then keeping it light with just like the, the pig snout. You know, I look for that to plug in. Um, very, very, very soft, uh, soft jokes to go with. Um, I did, like I said, man, I like, uh, I like the blue. Jerry always looks good in blue. And, uh, he's got this nice, um, blazer on. So, you know me, I'm always looking for Jerry to be looking good, uh, in this. I make sure your boys got the drip, bro. Um. One other thing from the notes, actually. Uh, so Jason Alexander, big Star Trek fan, noted as saying in this... Oh, in this... that's the... Okay, sorry. I, I understand now what I'm saying in my notes. I don't know. Something just clicked, and I don't know yeah. why, but that, that, just, that just chained the whole thing together. Now so I understand. Some of, some of his inspiration to become an actor is William Shatner. Like he said, I did say it said in the notes, he did Shakespeare because of William Shatner. And part of that is also why he loves Star Trek so much. Um, I just found that interesting, you know, that, that Shatner would be an inspiration for, for Jason and that's good stuff where, where that led Jason in his career. I like the whole, the whole joke being about God, uh, why Star Trek is like the guy's favorite show because it's just you going through space, watching TV. Right. 
I was like, oh. That's a good joke, too. That's a good joke. And, like, it's, it's, it's just you flying through space, big TV in your chair with sound. Like, it's, I was like, that's a funny joke. That's a joke that, you know, we, I at least, will knock him for some very dated jokes. None, to no fault of his own, just the time period. Times. This joke is definitely something that, you know, 30, uh, almost 30 years later, you can look at and go. It's, it still lands. That definitely, that definitely tracks. Um... But to jump into the to the first scene, Kramer and his moose needs new do. So I definitely did like a moose phase in the '90s. My mom to like style my hair or whatever. We we definitely for for a while used moose. Yeah, same here. I hate moose. And I don't know why, but it was definitely just for like a few weeks. That I remember and just putting the the spraying the shit in your hand and getting it all in there and then putting it on your hair. It's the worst. But like I don't know it. I might have liked mousse better than gel. I wasn't a huge fan of, like, gel. Gel, like, especially gel from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s when you would, because your parents would buy you the big, cheap knockoff. Gooey, gloppy. But it was it was always, like, blue or green. <laughs> it had the air bubbles in it, and you had to, like, pump it out. And you're like, what? what is this that I'm putting in my hair? <laughs> Why? Kramer looks funny, though. Uh, oh, I, is... I think it's a funny little mousse do. This is the start of some really good Kramer episodes. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but he definitely moves the plot forward for both character, uh, for for all three characters. <laughs> yeah, he's got a pretty big hand in some of the plot yeah. in this episode. So this was something that Jerry had said um, that I found in the notes that they were more inclined to realizing that every every character you know needs needs a plot. Like everybody needs to do something and. And we've already seen that in episodes that will later air, such as The Busboy. That was the first we, – we talked about that um, in that episode, about how that was the first episode where all the characters, you know, stories collided. And having seen that, all these episodes really sort of, you know, start to build upon that um, that growth that they had uh, established there, that world building that they had established there. Um but as Kramer leaves, we get the first Harold and Manny Manny scene. Harold, uh, played by the dude from uh, uh, from Beetlejuice, he was the the brother, right? Like, he, in Beetlejuice, he was also in Dunstan Checks In oh. with Jason Alexander. He's the guy who ends up in the cake at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another Jason Alexander connection he has. He voiced some characters in Duckman. Oh, interesting. Right, and I uh, interesting. didn't we talk about Duckman? We did, and the in the other podcast. So just connections on connections on connections. I didn't really find too much about Manny. Um, a lot of these characters, a lot of these side characters, we're gonna see in the next few episodes are are definitely just career bit bit actors. You know, um, you may recognize them from random episodes that you know. I've never seen for most of these shows. I'll I'll recognize the occasional like friends and cheers and and whatnot, but um, it's just unfortunate that we never see these characters again. Uh, we get a couple other, you know. Uh, There's one or two more tenants though, or not? Sorry, not tenants. There's a couple more landlords that end up playing yeah, that part, right? And it's but it's yeah, it's just not these guys. Um, but they just like you were talking about earlier, just you know, 
Man, uh, Manny speaks both English and Spanish, but he, for some reason, only speaks Spanish to Harold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Harold's the only one that can understand him. Uh, I'm a, I'll admit, uh, being a, a lifelong Texan, I'm ashamed I don't speak better Spanish. Oh, dude, I mean, same here. I mean, I've, I've lived in the area for so long, and I, I know hardly a lot. Did you notice uh, we have another change to Jerry's apartment number? Yeah, back back to 5A. Yeah, and I think it, this is where it remains from here on out, I believe. I mean, I know we're about to see a drastic, like, spike in this price. The, the $400 a month rent kind of blew my mind. I just, like... It's rent control, bro. <sighs> like, I, you I just salivated... So the notes again. I know we're about to see a drastic spike, or a drastic increase, exponential, you might say, in that price. Right. the uh, The notes actually gave some interesting. I'll I'll jump ahead to what uh, I'd learned uh, from there. They uh, in 1990, the average household income in New York City was about forty two thousand dollars a year. In Jerry's neck of the woods the upper west side about forty eight thousand dollars a year so uh six thousand you know that's a that's a that's a pretty good jump uh so then my question is and not not to jump ahead too far because mm-hmm. um, later on but when kramer is like uh jerry can afford it jerry can handle it like the dude's only averaging like you know 48 to 50 grand a year can he really afford to throw out just five grand to a friend? I would think if he's paying, you know, around what Elaine would be paying for rent, maybe a little more. Uh, I mean, Jerry Jerry is a somewhat success. He lives on the Upper West Side, so he's a somewhat successful comedian. And and while we we haven't gotten into some of those episodes yet, we will see, you know, Jerry Jerry got Jerry, Jerry make that money. Jerry, make that money. So I think this is like our first real look into, you know, and Jerry's pretty frugal. Like he, he, he eats is. at the diner, you know, he lives off of cereal. I think <laughs> I think where he spends a lot of his money is is probably, you know, going to Mets games. Uh taking taking women out. I don't I think when, when, when Jerry goes out he pays. I think this is definitely that time in the nineties where it's like, you know Oh yeah, yeah, everyone pays for everybody. Right, but he's definitely dinner and a movie guy. Yeah. So I but I think he's taking, you know, his his dates to nice restaurants. He he likes nice clothes. He does. We we do know that he has enough money to pay a lot on a jacket. On a jacket, he can drop some money on a jacket. He can drop some money on a jacket. And maybe that's where Kramer's like, dude. You can help. You you can buy this expensive ass jacket that we saw the price of, well that we didn't see, but you know but, but, they kind of. But Elaine knows the price. Kramer knows the price. Doesn't thinks he knows the price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's definitely the universe that we we've, we've built here. Uh, you know, laying those. It's 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 fun that you know we can look back at the, the you know make those comments about these episodes that we've seen already, and they've built this unit like in. In world universe that back kind of back to where we are um first <clears throat> sorry the first get out yeah so that's apparently like a real thing julia does 
Oh, like, really? Like, that was something that was not scripted. She brought that to the character. Um, and she well, actually... Jerry does a good job, too, because Jerry, you can tell he t- he, he, he laughs off. Like, he, like, like he, he smiles when she does it, but he takes it, and he, and he goes, it seems, unless it's a really fantastic edit, it seems like he just goes right into his line anyway. Like, like he just plays right off of it. Uh, didn't say anything about, like, cuts are real real thing but that that's yeah i definitely i definitely buy that i thought it was a a great addition uh to the character because it ends up becoming like a catchphrase and she uses it all the time uh just she's the best uh the 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 two julia and jerry had some some fun little quotes uh about her character um her first one being uh, in this in this scene here, she says if they were she's talking about why Jerry and Elaine don't get together, uh, she said if they got together, they'd be less dysfunctional. And what's so funny about that? <laughs> There's funny in the dysfunction, the, the sexual tension being there drives drives the comedy. And then uh, later on in the episode, Jerry says. <laughs> Of of Elaine, not of not uh, not of Julie. Elaine is my ideal woman. She's sexy and someone whose every opinion you want to know. I think the ideal relationship involves someone you're always anxious to compare notes with, and I think that you it breeds that competitiveness between them. Like we see that like throughout the whole you know series. Like they're just super competitive, whether it's like dating or yeah. the bet. Um, you know. Like they literally bet over whether or not she'll go back with an ex-boyfriend, and she loses horribly. Um, so it's just you know the these two you know they just really understand their characters, and it's so early on you can see that you know we're not even we're halfway through the second season, and they act like they've been doing this crap for for years, right? And it really hasn't been all that long for about a year if you if you go back and look at when. Do you have a Do you have a Star Wars timeline for I have for my... for Seinfeld? That's a That's a deep cut joke right there. So uh, another interesting thing I did find about this episode was we get another quick second stand up, like real early on in the episode, like five minutes in, we're already into the stand up. Yeah. Um, I think it's again we've got another couple really long scenes that you know they, they'll need some commercial breaks in, and the stand ups don't really. Uh, don't really work there. Um, <laughs> I like the next scene, like George paying at Monk's, and then having to go back, back inside mm-hmm. at Monk's. But the conversation that him and Jerry have outside of the diner, with uh, in front of the window, is really good. Jerry and George banter back and forth, and a really good start of a really good like beginning and end of a joke within a TV show. Like this is a good a, a very well written episode. Right. When 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 you think about the show about nothing, it's this right here. You meet up with your friend outside of a uh of a place he's just left and you have this conversation and he doesn't really want to go back inside because he's like, dude, I was just in there. Like, do I have to? And then he happens to make eye contact with a lady who just happens to be looking up and he's like lady's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Um, this is, yeah, I think you're right. This is like really good, like in, in real life humor. Like you could see yourself being in one of these positions. Yeah. It's funny because there's, there's, um, a song in the nineties called Tom's Diner. 
I can't remember who the fucking artist of it right now is, but it's that do 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 do. It's called Tom's Diner. I remember that. And there's it's a funny lineup because it's just about the song's just about her spending a day at a booth in a diner at Tom's Diner in New York City. And there's a line in there where it's like there's someone staring at me from the window or whatever, and it just it made me think of that line because it's Tom's. And it's probably one of the diner. Hey, who's in the kitchen with Dinah? Someone in the kitchen I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, the notes about nothing said that this scene was originally supposed to take place outside of like a movie theater, like at the end of the line. And it's something about George faking, describing faking an injury at the exorcist to get to the front of the line, like a disability. Um, he, he apparently tried to offer someone $5 to pretend to be his friend. And as he's being escorted out, somebody actually recognizes him. I'm happy they went with this scene. That seems like a lot. Right. Uh, for sure. Um. George going to a singles weekend at the Poconos. The Poconos is arguably like the most George Costanza thing I could think of. We 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 get the setup of like the whole idiot deal, the whole beginning of yes, like you know who I am. The, I am the, an the, idiot. The setup of of what becomes a great joke, uh, which will more than likely uh, be the cold open, the actual cold, a cold open. Um, I didn't get I wasn't too in tune with the corned beef hash okay so I had I told you I had a funny note about this I think this is just like an inside joke with the cast because the woman feeding the baby is uh, the first assistant director Joan Van Horn and apparently in an outtake, she slaps the fake baby. <laughs> so I think it was just something that they tried to do to pop George and Jerry. And it was funny, and they sort of left it in as... So, like, what do what are these two idiots care that, like, she's... It's just a little bit of banter. It's, it's a little, little bit of banter, but I think we're supposed to kind of, like... It's just that little subtle reminder that, hey, these guys are... These guys are kind of jerks. Like... Like we gotta kind of have to, to 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 drive it home a little bit. But when I I want that outtake, it, oh, I would love to see I that. I want that outtake. Oh, I'd love to see that. Uh, they get the uh, George starts talking about the idea of a um, a woman being attracted to a married man, you know, because because they see the wedding ring, and then Jerry plants the idea in his head that oh. Well, Kramer's got his father's band. Well, the only mention of Kramer's father. Yeah, Kramer's got a guy's father's band. He'll he'll loan it to you. He'll this loan is it the to only you. episode that we you know get uh, get a mention of Kramer's father, and it was Jerry who coined the uh, the term you know sociological. Jerry calls it. It'd be an interesting sociological experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I think is almost just like egging his friend on to do it just because he wants to see him do absolutely. it. Absolutely, Jerry. Jerry's a great come with guy. Uh, you know, he'll help him out. He helps him out to deliver the phone message. Yeah. You know? I mean, he does all that, and he's like, you know, maybe he's still a little salty and wants to kind of, you know, see George get a little bit of, get a little comeuppance for, for all that for nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? So maybe it's a little bit of egging him on there for that. 
Um, uh, after George gets the ring from Kramer, uh, we get another. We get our. We get our another Harry. Harry Manny. Harold well, I like Manny. that Kramer. We talked kind of about this earlier, but Kramer does mention the whole. Uh, you, know, you should think about getting some some plugs or a piece, man. Yeah, this is yeah, this is where he uh, he makes that. Um, makes that comment. Uh, so there's a little bit of Michael Richards uh, facts uh, in the notes this episode. Uh, graduate of Evergreen College in Washington State in 1979 with a degree in theater. Uh, then he began doing stand-up in L.A. Apparently he would set himself on fire to s- just to see what would happen. <laughs> All right. And I'm like, how does that work? Do you just, like, you get, like, maybe some, like, isopropyl alcohol or something, and, like, you you, you spray it on your arm or something? Blanket, like a wool blanket, I'm sure, close handy. Do you do it accidentally? Like, that's what I'm saying. Do you do it accidentally, or do you do it on purpose? Do you just, like... No, that's something you have to do on purpose. You're like, oh, I guess I'm just gonna figure out how I'm supposed to be on fire today. So think about this, though. You're back in, like, the 80s. You could smoke indoors. So what if you, like, figure out a way to, like, you know, you can, like, dose, like, your, like, arm, like, before you're set... And then, like, you're smoking or, like, you accidentally, like, just to see what would happen. Like, does anybody, like, who's going to grab a fire extinguisher? Does anybody, like, jump on stage I'm and try and put me sure. out? Like, do you just keep doing your comedy real casually while you're on fire? I'm sure it was the thought of a few uh, sociological experiments himself. Uh, it just, it, my mind just started reeling when I saw that. Just the idea of, like, just to see what would happen. Very, very Kramer. Extremely much so, yes. Apparently, during this time, he befriended Billy Crystal. Oh, awesome. And it ended up with, uh, this was a time when Billy was doing a lot of HBO specials. And he did a, he was invited to do a sketch with Chevy Chase and Robin Williams. And that sketch got him the job on our favorite SNL ripoff, ABC's Fridays. Oh, nice. Where he, as you know, met Larry David, Larry as David. we've talked about. Could you find that that skit with Robin Williams, and did you look? I did not. Uh, we'll look it up later. I, 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 I will. I will. Post it in the Discord and on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so just, just a nice little thread on Michael Richards, uh, that's dope. That's going, awesome. going, uh, from this episode that I, uh, I enjoyed reading about. The more you know. The more you know. So, uh. Knowing's half the battle. G.I. Joe. So, after Manny and Harold tell Jerry it's gonna cost five grand, uh, Jerry's elated. He's yeah, like, he's happy. He's like, oh, thank God. Yes. Um, comes in, gloating to George. Uh, and then Elaine, Elaine buzzes. And I love it because he tells, he, he prefaces George, like, okay, man, now you're going to see me act like a phony. <laughs> and what's great is, like, George's like, please, this is great George here. Great. He's like, uh, please, everything I do, as he points to his hand he's on the got finger. His, he's got the ring on, on his like, finger. ring on his finger. Everything I do in my life is a sham. I lie every second of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Uh, real, real good. This is where we get real the weak good. shower spray. The Elaine mentions that, that she knows the apartment yeah. has a weak shower spray. I'm taking baths. I'm moving to baths, which, gross. Um, 
she comes in super excited. That's that's what drives George off, which is really funny because George thinks he can handle it, but Elena's so excited. And, <laughs> and apparently, according to the notes, she was supposed to come in like heavily excited, like talking like I woke up in my crappy apartment, looked at my terrible roommate, blah 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 blah. So like this was supposed to be a lot more drawn out, and they definitely cut it uh, for time or for funny, but. Jerry trying to trying to get through this like he's like oh damn you can even tell that she, I got 75 bucks left in my account yeah just like, Ooh. well you know you'll have a little more after what I'm about to tell you <laughs> yeah unfortunately you can't do it because there's a ban that's moving it that or it's been offered five thousand dollars no the band hasn't offered yet oh that the band's later on but this it's is gotta... just some guy that knows Manny some guy that knows Manny offered him five grand for the apartment. Cash. In hand. And we we kind of touched on this earlier because uh, Kramer comes in. Uh, that's so funny. His, 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 first, his first of uh, three entrances. Oh, my God. That's this is, a, this is a very well-written episode. Yeah, so Kramer comes in with his 24th entrance and just completely blows blows the whole plan to shit. Uh, Jerry's got five thousand dollars. He'd do it for what's 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 five grand for a friend? Yeah, uh, it's it's just incredible. It how's, Jerry, how's Jerry supposed to say no in this situation? It'll be a while before she can pay him back. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. It does leaves yeah leaves Jerry no opportunity to 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 back out. You know, it's he's a pod. He is a pod. He is a pod. I like that, uh, what's there to think about? Uh, doesn't George... He uh, does, like, a... George, at some point, does, like, an entrance and then a re-exit. Like, yeah. he comes back in, and I can't remember what the, what the joke was. Yeah. Uh, but you almost forget that he was there until he, like, pops back out, and then he's like, nope, I gotta go, uh... Freshen up a little bit more. Yeah. No, he actually he go, he hangs left. He hangs left to oh, go he hang out in the Jerry's bedroom. room. He goes to hang out in Jerry's room, which we assume exists back there now. So Elaine goes upstairs uh, to take one more look, and when she pops back down and says, "I'll take it," that's when George does his like in and out. Uh. So uh, yeah, so it looks like we get the commercial break. That's where we get the commercial break, and then when we're back, we're at the Elaine's party. Elaine's oh, friends the, party with the, the New York marathon. New York marathon. Uh, we forgot to mention that in the very first scene. She invites him to that. It's such a subtle, like I almost forgot. Oh, what about you say? It. He's like, "What's there to see? You see." Uh, He's like a Kenyan, and then like twenty thousand. Uh, it's, it's a yeah, it's a it's a guy from Kenya, a woman from Norway, and twenty thousand losers. Another uh, dude, another episode set up, yeah. Uh, with yeah, the alarm yeah, clock? with the with the alarm clock for yeah, for sure, definitely something they'll they'll go back to, with the uh, damn, with the uh, marathon, and then the idea of going uh because they're because they're New York City people who live in the city who are along these routes cuz they'll go back to this with the Thanksgiving Day parade. Yeah. They go to somebody else's house because the balloons go right by their apartment. Right. Like like this is a thing I guess just that people do in New York City. I can they see that. They throw parties for these little events. I can see that. Um 
I love Elaine's look to Jerry because clearly Jerry didn't clue Elaine in on George's little like, hey, just so you know, George is going to be wearing a wedding ring. Just go with it. Just just completely uh, leaves that information out from any conversation they've had in the last few days. I like all three of his encounters with these women with the are women. great. Yeah, they are just so fantastically written they're so well acted i like that he tells one of them his wife's an entomologist uh bees flies gnats yeah just george's obsession with these like science these science-based uh careers but it's 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 like he watched a pbs documentary once and knows enough vocab to get through like the basic conversation uh, with the hopes of, you know, never having to, you know, go any deeper. Uh, George and Jerry go back to the, um, uh, the, the talk they had outside of Monk's about who the idiot is. Cause, cause, oh yeah, cause Jerry, well, it's after Jerry goes and talks to Elaine and she kind of gives them the out, the out with the, with the, the flirting and, and the sex talk. And he doesn't take it, and George has struck out three times. Uh, did you notice? Um, so he talked to like a white woman, an Asian woman, and a black woman. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize the black woman? No. She is um, uh, Martin Lawrence's wife in Bad Boys Two, and she was. Oh, they mentioned her in something else that we have both seen, and now I'm drawing a blank on it. And I knew I should have written it down. I was like, oh, I'll remember that because I recognize her. She's wife in Bad Boys. Uh, But, uh, yeah, she was the only one that I recognized. But they've all three done um, numerous TV and, like, movie roles. Like you said, we're going to get into a lot of, like, career side characters here before we're starting to get into a little more famous before they were famous people. Uh, One of the – did you – you may not recognize him, but the the guy that – uh, Stan, uh, the guy that she, uh, Elaine introduces to Jerry from her short stories class with Donna or Roxanne or whoever it is that, like, Elaine's taking a short stories class? Is that her inspiration for the Murphy Brown script? But he, uh, he's just an extra guy. He appeared in The Robbery, and he'll, he'll appear in episodes in the next, like, four seasons. He's just, like... Now we haven't seen Norman in a, uh, in the last couple episodes uh, since since we saw him for the entirety of the Chinese restaurant, uh, but this is something that you know Seinfeld will go to like stand-ins and like you know extras that they can just reuse over and over and over again. Uh, and then another interesting uh, note that the notes of about nothing gave me when. The lady screams, they're on their way, they're on their way, and Elaine and Jerry are standing with a couple other, like, one or two other women. There's one woman standing next to Julia, uh, that's her half-sister, huh. uh, Lisa Bowles, I believe, and uh, she appears in many Seinfeld episodes, usually as a waitress at Monk's. Interesting. Fun little factoid. I, I, I dig that a lot, that's pretty dope. Yeah, so... Uh, to me, the best, the best, uh, the best part is when they are discussing, you know, who the bigger idiot is. It's, it's actually, it's the, to me, it's the punchline. It's George's. Are, are, are you kidding? I am Costanza. 
Lord of the Idiots. And then the lady raises her hand and says, you're all winners! We have a contender. <laughs> Suddenly, a new contender. That, to me, the punchline of that is just so freaking funny. That was good. I, I laughed out loud over so that. Good. That was funny. And then, you know, cut to Jerry being all like, oh, I didn't sleep last night. And, you know, crying to George about, like, having to do this, like, having to just to be honest with your friend. Like, being honest with his friend is what's keeping him up at night. Is it before or after Kramer appears that the big speaker appears? Because there's just a random big-ass speaker in his apartment complex. Or not in his apartment, comment, but in his apartment. Are you talking about the speaker that is in between the door? Yeah, you're talking about the big ass between speaker. the door and the hallway, dude. That's that has always been there. Is it always there? Yes, because remember in the robbery, they take his little toy car. I make this comment. Right. They take his little toy car, and his little toy car was sitting on top of the speaker that was in between the door. Uh. Like they took all, like so I said, they took all the equipment, but they didn't take the speaker. They took a stereo, they didn't take the speaker. Interesting. Yeah. So Kramer does come in uh, with his 25th entrance, uh, clipping his nails all over Jerry's apartment, like nasty ass. Um, this is when he finds somebody that'll pay $10,000 to rent the apartment, and he's already told Harold and Manny, like, Kramer's already set this up, you know. He does like to help the humans from time to time. <laughs> just his hair... And I just love that they just explain it as boost and they just don't go back to it. Just so great. Uh, and then we get the button on the episode. We get the the rock band playing. What well, sounds like hot blood. Hot blooded. blooded. Got a fever. I was like, all right. I guess we're doing. I, yeah. I guess foreigner or a foreigner cover band. Uh, a, a very well, a very well doing so, foreigner cover so band that the they next... can pay ten thousand dollars. Right. So do you think that maybe it is foreigner? Foreigner needs a practice space. Maybe. And they needed to be like low key. A band practice studio and a yeah. <laughs> Remember, Kramer did go to a rock concert. That's true. But didn't it's we? True. Didn't we say it was like a Motley Crue? Motley like Crue. Motley Crue or Aerosmith? Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that episode. But Kramer does come in with Aerosmith. His... I think we narrowed it down to between those two, given the the proximity of where those guys were playing. I think Aerosmith was a little further away, but uh, my knowledge of East Coast is like those areas are really like it's like they're all within like a Texas-sized area of each other. Like you can get to them, it just takes a few hours. Yeah, I will take your word for it. Um, you should. I lived out there. Uh, not like that's why I'm doing it. I lived more in the southern part. Uh, anywho, uh. Kramer comes in, is like rocking out because he does, you know, he like lives. His little dance he does with his yeah. fucking, uh, 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 his golf club. Yeah. Kramer, Kramer the golfer. And then Jerry's, you know, his final stand up. The Unshishables. The Unshishables. Uh, sure, relatable. I, I'm definitely a shusher at the movies. I will straight up tell a motherfucker, hey, put your phone away. I'm I'm not a shusher. I, I I am evil contact or e evil eye contact, dude. You'll give the you'll give the the half turn. Uh, yeah, I, and then I and then the full turn. I will definitely give the turns. <laughs> turns are definitely more of my weapon of choice. But I do understand the thought of like the person hearing the sh. It's like okay, 
Are they shushing me, or are they shushing somebody else? No, bro, we're shushing you. If you are talking, you are being shushed, especially in a movie. Um, I've gotten yeah. shushed once. What were we seeing? Tomorrow never... The James Bond with the whole world global media news takeover. Oh, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Me and a friend were seeing tomorrow, that with... Tomorrow Never Dies. Me, I think you're right. Me and a friend were seeing that in the movie theater and we got told to shh. Because we were like, I don't know, we were kids. I mean... Nine, ten years old. Depending on where we are, like, I don't... It depending on how crowded the movie is, I try not to, like, talk at a normal volume. If, like, I want to lean over and make sarcastic comments to my wife, I will. Uh, and she'll get annoyed by that. Uh, she's... but. She'll tell me, like, hey, stop, but she won't, like, tell anybody else to be quiet or tell anybody to put their phones up. Like, we always end up sitting right behind phone guy. She's gotten on to me about my phone before. My wife? Oh, yeah. yeah. My wife has definitely told you to put your phone away. She mm -hmm. doesn't, like, she'll say because she knows you. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely had to tell a couple people, like, hey. And it makes her super uncomfortable, and I'm like, you you have to shame these people. You have to call them out for their inappropriate – shame them. You have to ask them politely, hey, will you not do this? Why do I have to be polite to the person who's being rude? Because it's common courtesy. You, they, you gotta, they lost no, the right to gotta, common courtesy when they broke the You've got to have the high social. ground. But I have the high ground. You don't have the high ground. Just because you're sitting above them in the movie theater does not mean you have the high ground. That's exactly what having the high ground means. No, you gotta You're have talking about moral high ground. Moral and, high ground. And they lose any of that. I won't be profane. That's how I will you... be stern and curt. Right, but that's how you get shit done. Moral high ground. Until they say no, and then you boot them in the ass and kick them out of the theater. That was your job. That's what made you good. I will say the last time I dealt with phone guy... He was rose in front of me, so I couldn't go. I didn't want to go be that guy, but I was – It was. Did you uh, throw a Butterfinger BB at him? No, because throwing – A like, bunch of crunch? Okay, movie food is expensive. The last thing I'm going to do is go throw it at a guy that I'm trying <laughs> sure, to – I'm not wasting that. Exactly. But it was Joker, and I believe that uh, – yeah, it was a couple years ago, but it was – like I was a really anticipated movie. I wanted to enjoy it, and I couldn't enjoy it because a phone guy – so I went and got the manager, and I and I loved what the manager did. The manager was real. That's slick. a solid move. Manager was real slick. He came in, he sat down, he picked like an aisle seat, a couple rows behind guy, and waited and just kind of just chilled there, and waited for guy to pull out his phone, and then like called him out, and left. And I was like, fuck yeah, and I was able to enjoy the movie, cause like it was like right at the start of the movie, and I was like trying to like really hone in on like what they were trying to set up and everything and you know every couple minutes there's this blast of light from like and and he was so far in front that like everybody could see it it's just like don't be that guy i will be the podcast of like fuck phone guy in the movie theater if it's that important take your ass up and out i'm less distracted by you getting up and walking away you don't have to even leave you can go just behind like to the door i just do the quick check do, 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 do. i just do the quick pull pull out of the pocket tap back in Quick, uh, in. I know you're giving See, me the I'm movie. Now. I'm movie experience guy. I, I will spend the money to go watch some shit on a big screen, really loud, with lots of people. Like that's people talk about like what you miss most in COVID, and 
to me, it's the movie theater experience. Man. That's fair. Like, I could, I miss concerts, sure, but I'm getting a little old to be like, you know, oh, let's go to fucking music festivals all day. Like, I think the last one kind of wore me out. <laughs> out in the fucking Texas summer heat. Couldn't be out there with no showers, bro. But no, there were showers. Um, I couldn't be out there with the no private showers. Movie theater experience, man. I just miss it. I just miss it. But uh, that's another podcast for sure. Unshishables. The Unshishables, man. Don't be, don't be. Make that a movie. The Unshishables. If they have the Expendables, we'll make them the Unshishables. I was thinking more like the Untouchables. Because you're like, who are they shushing? Is it me? It's not me. No, it's the Usual Suspects. Damn it, that's that's the that's the one that I was mm, thinking of. That's good stuff. I got that movie mixed up with another movie the other day too. So yeah. I you wanna that's uh that's the apartment. Well, so like I said, I had a low expectations going into it. Um Dude, I'm gonna because I'm gonna give this three point nine cups out of coffee 3.95 cups of coffee you're going 395 because i gave it a 392 i'm giving it a 395 uh i found it interesting one of one of the things that they didn't really lean on this episode was that they didn't have a lot of historical pop culture references no they didn't they, just, the, they, just it, the winston churchill yeah drop. that was really it Kind of all within their own little realm, but the, it was I think a really good episode. There yeah. were a couple of re- really good pops. Um, the writing in it was fantastic. All the bookends new, and jokes. New writer, man. And then writer. the stuff that they really that, that they go with later on that they that they set up in this episode. Like it's they're like yeah. oh shit. No, I I really enjoyed it. I I I had a lot of fun watching it this morning. Same um, same. One thing uh, we. Forgot to do again. Did we forget to introduce ourselves? <laughs> God, we did it on. We did it in the other one, and we just did it there. It uh, never fails. It never fails. That's what happens when you, you know, partake in that good, good. So, uh, strange purple flowers. Mm, the fluffiest. I'm your host, Alex Lee. I'm your co part cohort co. I'm co-person, co-person, co-audacitor, conspirator, (laughs) conspirator. You're the George to my Jerry. Uh, Yes. CJ Ward. And uh, yeah, this is the show, a Seinfeld podcast. Find us on Twitter at this underscore is the show. Like, rate, subscribe on all platforms, devices, subsets, yeah, subcategories, submatrices. We're everywhere. You can find us on iHeart, Apple, Music, uh, Spotify, Spotify, Spotify. <laughs> Terpina says Spotify. That was that was Terpina speak for Spotify. Uh, Podcast Republic, Pandora, uh, Google Podcasts. And just like I said, just just interact with us. Like like we 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 do this because like we are fans of Seinfeld, and we want to like have this like call out to other Seinfeld fans. You know, that's that that think of this as, as like your homing beacon, calling all Seinfeld fans. If you wanna chat Seinfeld with us again, Twitter at this underscore is the show. 
if you're an extraterrestrial and you're hearing this, hi, how's it going? Are you just now watching Seinfeld too? Isn't it wonderful? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to follow that up with uh, the E.T. shout out. This is the show. We're not changing it.